Word Radio On Demand, 96.1 FM and 900 AM WURD. Streaming live at wordradio.com. Joining us now is the governor of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, Josh Shapiro. Governor Shapiro, good morning. Good morning, Solomon. Thanks for having me back. Absolutely. So I want to talk about education. It's something that is that is so important uh, in our community, especially in Philadelphia. You have proposed in your new budget uh, proposal a one point one billion dollar increase uh, for public school operations and instruction. Um, what what would that do and, and how do you plan to pay for it? Yeah, absolutely. Let me, um, if I may, just kind of take a half step back on education to explain how we got here and how I'm proposing to address this situation. Um, there was a lawsuit that was filed. I won't bore you with all the back and forth on the legal machinations. But the end result was that the court found that our current system of funding, our K-12 education system in Pennsylvania, is unconstitutional. Basically, they found it to be unconstitutional because, A, we're not putting enough money into the system for our students. And B, we're not driving those dollars out equitably, meaning into the districts that need it most. Um, Republicans and Democrats alike had the opportunity to appeal that rule to basically say they disagree and that they think this system is constitutional. No one appealed, meaning everyone accepted that, uh, that uh, report from the court, that ruling from the court, which means we now have to do that work to both put more resources in and drive it out more equitably. So my first budget sort of post that decision not to appeal would invest a new, so this is additional to what we've done in the past, a new $1.1 billion, as you correctly noted. Now, furthermore, what that does is it takes $900 million of that and drives it out under a new equity formula, meaning the dollars go where the need is most. So as an example, in the Philadelphia public school system, they would see a 16% increase. That's $240 million more in, you know, neighboring Norristown is an example, a school district um, with real needs. They would see a 52% increase, about $13 million in, in real dollar terms. The point is the dollars are being driven out to the districts that need it most. At the same time, we're continuing to make really critical investments in things like universal breakfast, something I was able to get past last year money for mental health, money for school safety and security on top of those dollars that would be new for, uh, you know, for the, the school academic programming. So this is a really big budget when it comes to education. The reason I sort of led with this in my budget and in my budget address is I think public education is the foundation for opportunity. It's the foundation that you need in order to create opportunities for generational wealth for business opportunities, uh, for safety and security in our communities. That's why I think it's so critical, and that's why we're leaning in so heavily. Now, the last part of your question is, you said, well, how, how the hell are we going to pay for all this? Well, again, not to nerd out on, you know, on the budget side of this, but it's important for your listeners to know, we've got a $14 billion budget in Harrisburg. That means the politicians over the years have taken in $14 billion more from the taxpayers than we need. You mean a budget now, surplus? That's correct. Okay. A surplus. All right. Now is the time to invest that surplus. Mm. And by the way, my budget overall, even with these uh, economic investments, these, these dollar investments in education, 
my budget is balanced. It actually cuts taxes. It doesn't raise them. And if you do everything I propose, from education to workforce development, to economic development, to public safety, if you do everything I propose, we'll still have an $11 billion surplus at the end of that. So we now is the time to make these critical investments in our people. And now I believe is the time to lead on education. And that's what my budget does. Now, one of the other things that uh, looks like you're proposing is uh, legalizing adult use marijuana in order to pay for some of this. Um, Given that James Carville called Pennsylvania, Philadelphia and Pittsburgh with Alabama in between, how do you get that passed? Yeah. Well, first off, I love James, but I disagree with his assessment. Mm -hmm. I, I don't see Pennsylvania that way or that divided. And actually, if you look at the issue of legalizing adult use cannabis, um, pretty much across the board, you're seeing support for that. Now, I've made clear that if they're going to pass this, I want to make sure that there are really three components to a legalization bill. Number one, it's got to be taxed and regulated responsibly. We need to close down the black market and have a responsible um, regulate, regulated market that keeps this out of the hands of kids and allows adults to responsibly use. Second, we've got to create jobs and build wealth in communities that have been disproportionately impacted by criminalization. I want to see those who own dispensaries, as an example, coming from the communities that have been harmed by criminalization, not these big national companies that are coming in and getting all the contracts. And third, I want to make sure any bill that reaches my desk expunges the records for those who have been convicted for nonviolent possession. We know that that has disproportionately impacted minority communities over many, many, many years. And we're going to do everything we can to try to right that wrong. I think this is an issue that has seen Republican and Democratic support alike. I think it is something whose time has come. And importantly, You got to note that all of our nearly every one of our neighbors around us, New York, New Jersey, Ohio, Maryland, they have legalized it. And as a result, they're getting the revenue from legalized marijuana and Pennsylvania is not. We estimate that we can get about two hundred and fifty million dollars a year from legalizing marijuana. It's two hundred fifty million bucks that isn't going to the black market. Instead, it can be used for everything from education to economic development public safety, you name it. But the bottom line here is it's time for us to move forward on this. And I believe we can build bipartisan consensus around it. Hmm. So when you when you talk about the black market, you mean one thing, but I'm, I'm hearing something else. And, and the, the image that comes in my head is that black people typically don't get marijuana dispensaries, don't make money from this. I know that uh, you talk about helping uh, minority communities to um, to benefit from this. How do you propose to make sure that Black people actually get some of these marijuana dispensaries if marijuana uh, for recreational use is legalized in Pennsylvania. Yeah, look, Solomon, that's literally the first prong of my plan to make sure that when you are giving up, whether it's a license or a contract, again, we have to formalize that in the context of legislation, that you have a set aside for local ownership. You have a set aside for community in engagement and involvement so that you're not getting a situation like we've seen in other states where these big national conglomerates come in, they buy up every license because they're the only ones with the capital to do so. And then the local folks get shut out. I think we need to make a real emphasis on having local ownership 
and local control. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things that you've proposed in the past concerning education is vouchers. That doesn't appear to be something that's that's in this budget. Have you changed your position on vouchers? Do you still want us to have vouchers uh, to use tax money to pay for private school in, in in Pennsylvania? My position hasn't changed. And if I may just respectfully push back a little bit on you with the use of the term voucher, that is not something I'm for. A voucher is where you know, the child goes from school district A over to school B, and the money comes out of school district A in order to fund that student going to school B. That is not something I'm for. It's never something I've proposed. What I've proposed, uh, and I have been for this for years and continue to be, and I spoke about it in my budget address, is that we fully fund public education. As you correctly noted, I'm proposing to put a new $1.1 billion into public education and then create a separate scholarship for poor students in low-performing districts. That scholarship money can be used, you know, if a parent wants to get their kid extra tutoring or books, materials, computers, or to attend another school if they feel like that's the best thing for their child. I've been consistently for that. I think there's um, an area where we have an opportunity to find some bipartisan compromise. I won't allow a dollar to be taken out of our public schools to fund this. This will be money on top of what we're already investing in our public schools. Is it still public money? Is it still tax money? Sure. But, it's you know, we're using tax money for lots of other things that don't go to schools. We fund agriculture. We fund public safety. We fund economic development. There are lots of things in our budget um, that are not education. My point here is that we need to fully fund our commitment to public education, and we can still have scholarships available for poor kids in struggling school districts. Mm-hmm. So it was- and to offer, pardon me, if I may just uh-huh. offer some, some context on this, sure. uh, I've proposed a $48 billion budget last year is about 46 ish billion dollars. And the scholarship that we've been discussing is around $100 million. So just to put it into some context that it's a relatively small amount in the bigger picture. But I think just as we're investing in public safety, economic opportunity and education, um, especially for poor kids in struggling school districts, we also need to invest in their academic success. And we shouldn't have a one size fits all approach. Mm -hmm. So we still need new schools in in Philadelphia. So I work in a number of schools. Um, we mentor kids and and try to help them to stay on the right path, stay away from gun violence, quite frankly. Yeah. And one of the schools uh, that that we work in, and I'm sure a number of the schools that we work in, um, one of them was built in 1927. Mm-hmm. It's 2024. So our kids in Philadelphia are going to schools that are 100 years old. And where there is asbestos. And so what's in the capital budget from the state in order for us to get new school buildings that are sorely needed in most of our communities? Yeah, I think you raise a really important point. And it's especially problematic in Philly. But Solomon, and and I recognize we're, we're talking to folks mostly in southeastern PA. This is an issue across this Commonwealth where we've got kids learning in um, in buildings that have not had the level of upkeep that they need. And as a consequence of that, schools need to be closed because they find asbestos or they can't be open in those August or September days because there's no air conditioning or they get to close in the dead of winter because their heat is broken. That's why last year I was able to secure for the first time ever bipartisan agreement to create 
a new fund that focuses just on school upkeep, maintenance, and repairs. We seeded it with $175 million. This year in my budget proposal, I asked for an additional $300 million. So bringing that up to $475 million, almost a half a billion dollar fund that would be used just to repair our schools, just for school uh, construction or reconstruction. I know that on a parallel track, under Mayor Parker's leadership, together with Mr. Watlington at the school district, they're working on a broader plan just for Philly schools to determine what schools maybe need to close, what schools need to be uh, remain open and have some additional funding to repair them, where new schools need to be built. And we'll be anxiously looking forward to the plan that the mayor and others put together and Presumably, there will be an ask of lawmakers and myself um, in Harrisburg to work on that. In the meantime, we've got this new fund that's now available for these repairs of our school buildings. All of our kids, all God's children, deserve the opportunity to learn in a safe and healthy environment. And that's why my budget makes real investments in, in those areas. So I want to ask you before we go about Act 40, that is uh, uh this legislation that was passed by the legislature signed by you that would allow the attorney general to put a special prosecutor in in place to handle crimes on SEPTA only in Philadelphia County, not the other counties where SEPTA operates. Um, a lot of us see that as as voters, as something that would undermine our votes. Um, I believe you see it differently. Um, my question is. Does the state give Philadelphia money in order to pay for that other special prosecutor? You, you've asked me about this before. I think you and I were at Gerard College together on MLK Day. Yes. And just to you know, make sure your listeners have a, a full context for this, that specific bill was part of a broad bipartisan package that was agreed to by House Democratic leaders, uh, including leaders from Philadelphia, and Senate Republicans. Again, I'm the only governor in the nation with a divided legislature. Republicans lead the Senate, Democrats lead the House. And when you look at this package as a whole, about 30-ish bills or so made it to my desk, including that one, and each one kind of was predicated upon the other being part of the package. Um, I was able to sign some really meaningful criminal justice reform bills as part of that broader package, probation reform, clean slate, things that we've all been fighting for for many years. And, you know, part of my broader agenda when it comes to uh, criminal justice reform, when it comes to this particular bill, um, it doesn't take authority from a DA. What it does is it adds law enforcement capacity on SEPTA. And that is what uh, I think Republicans and Democrats alike uh, felt was important in order to get these bills uh, to my desk and done. It was part of a broad bipartisan package that had to be balanced. Uh, and I think it's something that, you know, the public needs to recognize. We're going to continue to make investments in public safety uh, in Philadelphia and elsewhere. And this is one additional law enforcement tool in that area. Does the state pay for it, Governor? Well, the state puts resources into public safety. The city um, also puts resources into public safety. How the attorney general, who's empowered to appoint a special prosecutor, she has not done that to date, to my knowledge, how the um, attorney general funds it will be predicated upon what resources she uses from her office and what resources are permissible for her to draw down from the city in order to pay for the cost of prosecution. 
she would be best positioned to be able to answer how that split is going to take effect. I see. So there's no funding that's been allocated along with this legislation for this special prosecutor. I, I think you need to ask the attorney general how she plans to fund that through uh, her budget or through city resources. Got it. OK, Governor Shapiro, I want to thank you so much uh, for joining us this morning on WURD. We certainly appreciate it. Great to be with you, Solomon. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to Word Radio On Demand. Listen live at 96.1 FM, 900 AM, and online at wordradio.com. 